I'm going to fight you on the ranges transform being better than four each year. All right. This is, here we go. This is what, this is what our listeners have been waiting for. A for loop versus algorithm war. No, that's not code. I thought it was a smiley face, Connor. I thought that was a smiley face, not APL code. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 36, recorded on June 30th, 2021. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we talk about stood for each versus stood transform and a ton of other algorithms, as well as a little bit of APL. What, what are the circumstances in which you would use stood for each instead of a range-based for loop? I honestly don't think I've ever coded a stood for each in production and i mean yeah i like stood for each is like in my opinion i think jake hemstad he's a, a co-worker that works on rapids at nvidia he says that like basically like we both agree but he has some great quip that i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna fail to get uh correct but it's basically that like a stood for each like isn't an algorithm um, like yeah. it's yeah, the only, the only time when it's useful is if you're calling the parallel version, but yeah, I've, I've seen that, but also too, I just like, uh, a lot of times where there's a stood for each, I think that there's like another algorithm that's more like better named that you just, uh, oh, interesting. So your, your argument is that you should use another algorithm, not a range based for a loop. Yeah. If it, if no, you like, see, like... if it seems like you need a stood for each, like odds are you can refactor your code a tiny bit and find out that, oh, this is actually a reduction or, oh, this is a, this is a transform. So, so I was writing an example the other day um, where I was, um, so essentially it was an example where I would go and find the min element in a vector. And then um, in a se- second pass, I would go in, divide all the elements of the vector by the minimum element. So essentially it was um, uh, like scaling everything to the minimum element. So a- after the second pass, the um, the minimum element in the vector would then be one. This is assuming that the vector was numeric of a numeric type. So after the second pass where you divide everything by the min element, the min element would be one and everything else would be, you know, um, uh, uh, uh that its original value divided by mm, yep. the min element, so it would be so normalization. You know, yeah, normalization. Well, not really, not not uh, normalization in the sense of like math normalization, because that would be that would be the value divided by the unit the the unit norm, which is a different thing. But it's sort of like um, uh, a scale. I don't know. Actually, I'd have to go remind myself how math works. But I don't think it's I don't think it's normalization in the in the math sense, because I think normalization in the in the math sense would would normalize everything to be a, a value from between zero and one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's sort of like it's what you do if you want to take a series of um, like time measurements and uh, convert them to speed up relative to the slowest. Um, and so then I, I was like asking myself, well, how do I write that second loop in the most C++ way? And the first thing I was going to do was a stood ranges for each, but this was for slide code. So I'm like, that's a long identifier. I And like, then I got to put a lambda in there too. Maybe this will just be clearer as a range-based for loop. And uh, so what would you use for that second pass? As a transform. Where you're, 
Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Um, I mean, that's what it is. It's a transform. But but if you use the transform, then you have to write the lambda function. Yeah. I mean, and you, in, and, in APL, this is four characters. That's what I've been thinking the whole time. Yeah, so. yeah, but, 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 okay, so, so if, if we're using ranges, I've already started off, I got to do stood ranges transform. That's like, that's already as verbose as like the, the for loop and the parens uh, for the range based for loop. And then on top of that, I got to stick a lambda in there. And the lambda has to capture because it has to capture that min element. Mm-hmm. I think that code is way clearer as a range-based for loop, not as a transform. I mean, uh, is it clear? Hang on, let's 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 write this. Let's write this. Let's write this right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're gonna do it. Audience, we are. I am firing up. I am firing up a text editor. I am firing up a text editor. All right, you ready, Connor? I am okay. ready. I mean, I can see this code perfectly in my head. It's, it's, uh, but yes, let's. Yeah, yeah, but, but no, no, no. I, I, I care about the, I care about the count, the count of, uh, of, uh, of characters. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, narrate. Here we go. We got stood vector v equals dot 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 semicolon line two auto min equals stood colon colon ranges colon colon min underscore element paren v paren semicolon. And well, we're definitely not doing a for each. Well, we, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna write it first. <laughs> Connor sees the for each, and we're not we're not doing that. No, we're not we're not doing that. I mean, yeah, this this is like this kind of example just makes me sad about C plus plus though, because. Um... <laughs> All right, so I've, I've written it with the for each. It's pretty bad. Um, so if we write it with the transform, now we have to take. I'm also opening my APL. Editor, we'll put this in the show notes as well. Actually, I can just do this and try PL. Send you a link. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna. You're <laughs> now we are live coding on the podcast, audience. Now we are live. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight you. I'm gonna fight you on the ranges transform being better than for each year. All right, this is here we I, go. This is what this is what our listeners have been waiting for: a for loop versus algorithm war. So so okay, let's let's look at the for each here. The for each takes one input range, right? The vector, and it modifies in place. The transform, I I want to modify these elements in place. So I gotta give it the input range, which is in this case is just gonna be the vector v. But then I also have to give it an output iterator. Not an output range, but just an output iterator, right? Correct. So, so the code, the, the, the for each line, the lambda is the same in both cases. No, it's not the same in both cases. In the, in the transform case, in the, in the for each case, the lambda takes the element by reference and it does um, like divide equals to it. And it does it in place. In the transform case, we, we still need to capture, but we'll take the, the element by value and we'll return e divided by uh, min. But the, the, big, the, the big flaw that I see in using the transform here is that I have to pass the input twice. I have to pass v once as the input range, and then I have to do v dot again. Oh, that is just like, 
no. Like, this is the use case for 4-H. Like, I, I reject your and Jake's argument that there's no use case for 4-H. Like, in-place modification of a thing, that's what 4-H is for. But but that's not even the one that I'm arguing for. The one that I'm arguing for is this this little beauty, which is going to be a whole lot nicer. So this is the range base 4 that Bryce is typing yeah. now. Which, there's no lambda. It's just 4 auto ref E colon V E divided by equals min. And it's like half the characters. It is, it's 27 characters. The transform one is a 71 character line. The for each one is a 54 character line. And even if you are using like, uh, even if you take out the namespace qualification, um, the stud ranges namespace qualification, the for each line is still 41 characters. The transform line is still 58 characters. Now, there's there's no way that that anything other than the range-based for loop is the correct option here. But anyways, why don't why don't you show me the why don't you show me how you do this in APL? Well, well, well we should we should um I do know that uh I believe in Sean Parent's C++ seasoning talk. He does argue that um anything that's like less than one or two operations, I think it's fine to use a short for loop. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time. I mean, I definitely would not use a non-range based for loop for that. And actually, let, let's let's look at what that would look like. Um, let's look at what that would look like. And, and the reason I wouldn't use it is like I I just are like I just think it's like more error. Well, you know what? I, I, I take it back. Uh, the, if I'm doing something index based, I might do that. And like, yeah, I know that we're not supposed to, but in some cases, if you're doing something index-based, it might be, you know, the way to go. All right, all right. So we're looking at uh, um, we won't we won't do a, a a classic for loop with iterators because that would just be that would just be rough, and we won't do like the correct thing of doing like std vector, you know, size type. We'll just assume it's going to be size t because. Secret, it always is size t. Or like we could just use int here, that'd be fine. Size t i or equals zero. I mean, maybe I should use int here because that'll be a few fewer characters, and that is how people would uh, how people would write it. Um, so like even even this one is like shorter than the than the four each one. And of course it's not all about size. I mean the reason the reason to not use this one. Uh, uh, the the index based for loop one, of course, is that it's index based, so you know it's very easy to make a mistake here um, and to end up going out of bounds. Um, and actually, when <laughs> now that I've finished writing the line, it is actually like like one character longer, exactly one character longer than the uh, stood ranges for each one. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Uh... You can't parallelize anything other than the transform. No, you can parallelize the four H. Oh, right. Sorry, the four H as well. Uh, compared yeah. to like your, yeah, your yeah, two you're, you're right. loops. Um, and and that's what I think I, I said at the beginning is that the reason to use the four H, the algorithm is you know if you want to parallelize it, you know then the the diff- going from the range based for loop to a parallel for loop in C requires completely rewriting it. Going from a stood for each to a parallel stood for each is adding one argument. Going from a, uh, a, a transform to a parallel transform is adding one argument. 
Yeah. But can we agree that the transform one is strictly worse than the four each here? Because we're doing the transform in place, and that's exactly what four each is. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to convince me that tr transform is worse than four each. Um, that is a tra that's a transform, regardless of it's in place or out of place. That's a transform. Um, it's not a four each. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Then can we agree that four each is syntax <laughs> sugar for for transform? Can we agree that for each is syntax sugar for transform? Um, no. <laughs> How is it not syntax sugar for transform? Uh. How is it not syntax sugar? I don't even know what, like, that's the thing is I just, I don't use for each. For each, why do I need for each? I need to iterate over a range and then do something totally side effecty. Um, well, that's or what, do something in place. Do, do a modification of something in place. Like, that's what, that's what, that's what transforms, that's what transforms for. <laughs> no, because, like, with trans, like, that's literally the purpose for for each existing. No. Uh, this is actually a great argument for us to have right now, or a great debate for us to have right now, because the next topic we're going to talk about is going to be the parallel scan um, algorithm. And in the downstream of the parallel scan algorithm, we have exactly this problem. And, uh, and I believe I use in my examples a for each. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think that, like, uh, for each is for like side effecty things, and that is not what a transform is for. A transform is for applying a unary operation to some range of values, and you can do stuff that like you know side by side these look similar, but like fundamentally, a transform doesn't need to have side effects. Um, so so okay so but so maybe should maybe should the thing that we call transform be called transform copy and then we should have an in place transform which is called transform. This is actually amazing that you're bringing this up. Uh, I was just having a meeting. Or oh, wait, actually did you end up discussing this with uh, what's his name George Georgie? Who do, who do you think told George to speak to you about adjacent difference. Yeah, you pinged us. <laughs> like how Connor's like, oh, it's this amazing coincidence, not realizing that the meeting. No, that no, no. Just you you pinged all you pinged all me. four of us. You pinged all three of us, and we're like, you you all should talk. Like I was yeah. I was there when you DM'd. Um, uh, what's I I I probably mispronounced his his name though. Uh, he um, this this is a new hire on uh, on my team. Uh, uh, he it, his name is spelled um, like George, but with two eyes at the end. Um, but he has told uh, he's um, uh, he's he's Russian. He he lives in Moscow. Um, he's told us that he um, prefers to go by George, at least among English speakers. So that's what we've been. Okay, that's how we've been been saying it. So I I I do not. Speak Russian. I do not know. I'm actually not even. Sure. I, I I do not you know. You don't know if you speak Russian or not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether. I'm I'm not sure the origin of his name, um. But but he likes to be called George. All right. So uh, George, Jake, and I had this meeting. All the details don't matter, but um, we were talking about naming at one point, and the observation was made that certain algorithms have underscore copy versions 
and then certain algorithms do not. Um, yeah. And like finding the what what's the like delineating factor that causes that? Because like arguably, um, replace and replace copy, or not arguably, replace is just a specialization of transform. You can like in in I've uh, a couple times on Twitter I've like posted little diagrams of uh, like algorithm hierarchies where uh, like mismatch is the most general version of a bunch of other algorithms um, like adjacent find, etc. Um, and transform is also at the root of a hierarchy. And uh, there's only a couple that are specializations, but replace is one of them. And so we have replace and replace copy, but we don't have transform and transform copy. Um, or, or in the, the case that we were specifically talking about with, uh, with George and Jake, adjacent difference Correct. and adjacent difference copy. Correct. And so an example of an example of the dichotomy here is we have sort and uh, and then we have sort copy, is that right? Uh, we don't have sort copy, but um, we don't. We do have like we partition should. and partition copy. But that's the thing is those or, 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 I guess the dichotomy here is we have sort, which is the um, uh, sort is the un uh, uh, the unannotated name. It doesn't have like, you know, a sort in place or anything on it. And so sort is in place, whereas transform is not in place. Right. And so one could argue that the the naming style of the algorithms is inconsistent. That Correct. we should have said, okay, all of the in-place algorithms will have a suffix or all of the non-in-place algorithms will have a suffix. We should have picked one kind to have the good names. And by good names, I mean names that don't have a prefix or suffix. Um, and so like in that world, you would either have sort um, like in, like the current thing currently called sort would be called, you know, sort in place. Um, and and uh, then you would have a sort that takes both an input and an output. And then you'd have a, um, you know, and then transform would be as it is today. Or the alternative would be you would, sort would be as it is today where it takes one range and it does the sorting in place then you'd also have a sort copy um and then you'd have uh like transform would be different from what it is today it would be an right. in place transform right. and the thing that we call transform today we would instead call transform copy um in either of those two worlds would be consistent um uh but that's not the world we live in so and, what's, um, what's interesting yeah. is that i th- like I haven't gone through and checked every single one, but uh, for the copy algorithms, underscore copy that has that uh, suffix, I'm almost certain, actually, that's not true, what I was about to say, uh, but a lot of them are permuting algorithms, like mm. sort, sort, um, for instance. I was about to say that, but then I just realized replace copy is, is a counterexample because replace is not doing a permutation. So like partition and sort, uh, it makes... It makes sense for those the defaults of those to not have a third iterator with like an output where you're doing some copy. The most common case I would assert is that you're sorting that range. You don't need to do like you don't need a mm. second or a third iterator to define your um, your output. And arguably, like just having said that out loud, it's kind of makes sense why you would do the same thing for replace because replace almost always you're going to be doing that in place. Whereas it's not it's, as, it's not as obvious that for the more general version of transform that you always want to do that in place. Um, but ex- exactly. I, I think that, that's a that's, mistake. Um, well, and, and, but, but 
that is the reason behind that is the rationale behind the the design and if you look at the standard itself and if you look at how it's organized there's um a distinction between you know what's considered the modifying sequence operations the non-modifying sequence operations the partitioning and the sorting operations like the when you look at the way that they're organized in the standard and the way that they're grouped together, it makes a little bit more sense. And, you know, we've been talking about consistency because I think both you and I um, have a, a great desire for consistency across APIs. But the the design of the algorithms today picked a design that was not consistent across all the algorithms, but the reason for that was to be consistent with with what the use cases were going to be. That, oh, the most common case for sorting is we're sorting this thing in place. So therefore, the thing called std sort should be the one that does that. Um, but for, you know, for transform, in places, I, I assume, I think was assumed at the time that it was thought that that was not the most common case. Um, and so therefore, the, the thing called std transform should not be the in place one. Um, and so there, there is a logic there. It's not just like that it was random. There, there was a thinking that, you know, certain algorithms, permutation type algorithms, you'll typically do those in place, whereas other algorithms, um, you'll often not do them in place. Um, and, you know, I think one of the, one of the interesting things that you and I share in common, Connor, and one of the, one of, I think the things that makes your, you know, perspective and analysis of, um, uh, our algorithms library unique is looking at things with the bird's eye view. Um, like take, or, or another way I think of it is like taking a step back. Like one of the things that you do that you're really good at is like you take a step back and you don't look at locally like what's the right decision for this one algorithm. Like you, you take a step back and you look at how do all of these different algorithms fit together? And like you know how do how do they form a collective set of operations and like what what series of combination what combination of different um, uh, uh, operational semantics are missing? You know those tables from your algorithm intuition talk. That's the sort of thing that I mean. But like you and I both look at the C++ standard algorithms and we sort of like take a step back and we look at the trends and patterns across all of the algorithms. And I think that's why we see this inconsistency, and it um, and it bothers us. I, as I as I always uh, 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 as I frequently joke, um, uh, it's Bryce's law. I would I would rather be mm -hmm. uh, consistently wrong than inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, this makes me think of a think of a couple things, but. Yeah, now that now this is so now the second time in like a, a week that I've been thinking about this underscore copy thing, and it makes me want transform and transform copy because also too, a part of the reason you don't like the transform and you prefer the for each is because of that iterator. And if we had the transform version that was just mm -hmm. in place, you would you would be less averse to using, in my opinion, what what is the correct algorithm, um, right? But and, and that transform in place has an interesting and notable difference from for each. Which is that for each, as I said before, the way that the for each version of this algorithm worked was you took the input argument by reference. 
and inside and in the lambda. You took it by you took the argument by reference, and, um, the the parameter, the element by reference, and you would modify it within that lambda. So it was it was less functional, right? That that I'm taking this 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 argument by reference, I'm modifying it. Whereas in an in-place transform, I would take it by value and I would return it. And I would return a new thing. And that is, you know, more pure and more functional. Right. Um, yeah. 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 And I, I don't I don't know what, what the significance or the importance of that is in this particular case, but um I bet you there's I, I bet you that that is a significant difference. Yeah. And this this sort of, you know, you say the word consistency. I I really like the word uh, and prefer symmetry. Um, there's a book that uh, is called The Pursuit of Elegance, I believe. And um, it's a fantastic book. I'll make sure I got the title right. If not, I'll come back and fix this in post. But I'm pretty sure it's The Pursuit of Elegance. And it talks a lot about symmetry and why... Um, we find symmetric things beautiful. Um, there's a whole chapter, a section on Jackson Pollux, who's a famous artist, um, who basically like all his paintings are just like flicking paint. So it's these like crazy sort of just like uh, amalgamation of different paint colors. And, you know, it, it looks sort of like a child could do it, but they've studied these paintings and they have like fractal properties that, like the people have tried to duplicate with like, you know, ladders and they've tried all these different techniques and like people can't figure out how Jackson Pollock uh, does it. And uh, in fractals, like there's a certain sense of symmetry because you zoom in and zoom out and it's always the same ratio of, uh, you know, pieces of the, the fractal that you're looking at. Anyway, so yeah, I, I love some symmetry. And this brings me to the second point that I was um, going to mention earlier about Kate Gregory has talked about how, um, like partial sort copy is a terribly named algorithm and we should call it, you know, uh, top N or something like that. But there is a part of me that actually really likes the name partial sort copy because it's symmetric with its sibling algorithms. There's a partial sort, there's a sort, the underscore copy is, is a, a you know, as Jonathan Bakara calls it a ruin. Um, but just like it's a common prefix or suffix, uh, in this case, it's a, a suffix and, I really like the symmetry of the, the names. And that's something that we've like taken into consideration with the C++ 23 range algorithms that we're adding in adapters where we're trying to be consistent. Um, when we were adding algorithms that look at adjacent elements, we, you know, we, we are trying to choose the prefix that's common. So like I personally don't uh, necessarily prefer adjacent, but because adjacent find and adjacent difference like exist already in the C++ uh, standard library, that's the prefix that we went with anyway. So yeah, symmetry, symmetry, I think is super important. And yeah, when it comes to like renaming things to, I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about top end versus partial sort copy, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm actually torn on like, sh should like, yes, top end is what you would reach for. But a part of yeah. me thinks that like, you know, what does Sean parent say is that, you know, like engineering is a profession and it's something that needs to be studied and like, our, our libraries and the standards. Um, like he advocates that everyone, every C++ developer should read through the standard, <laughs> which I'm not necessarily saying I agree with, but I think the sentiment that, you know, our libraries and our tools, like they deserve time and study. And 
and yeah, so I, I I actually don't have my mind made up on top end versus. Yeah, I I don't I don't know I I don't love either of the names if we're being honest. Don't don't read the C plus plus standard if you're uh, <laughs> um, if you're a user. You don't you don't need to do that. Um, you know, while 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 symmetry, you know, we do find symmetry beautiful. Um, you know, asymmetry can can be elegant too. I had. One of my uh, old friends from when I was at LSU, uh, Zach, um, uh, he was really into uh, uh, biking. Um, uh, and uh, bikes are inherently uh, asymmetric because um, you have the gear set on one side of the bike, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so he, um, he drove a, a Hyundai Velocitor. Um, and, uh, she described it as like the ideal car for him. And I once asked him why, and he said, well, um, it's asymmetrical like bikes. Cause it, it, the Hyundai Velocitor is, it's this like, uh, compact car, um, uh, and it's a hatchback and it's got only three doors. So on the passenger side, there's two doors. Um, but on the driver's side, there's not a door behind the driver's side. So the car, so it's it's like even now cars are of course a bit asymmetric because the driver's side is you know on one side of the car, but they're usually pretty symmetric. But like this is a more asymmetric car than most. I'm like that's what sold him on the car. It was like this is asymmetric like bikes, and I really like bikes, and I think that there's some beauty in asymmetry. When you think and, when uh, you think about cars in general, though, they are from like to look at it from the outside are completely symmetric. Like, and that's what yeah yeah that's what a lot of the times. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. I think there's been studies done that like uh, objectively beautiful people have very symmetric faces. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just something something about pattern recognition of our eyes that are just like oh that's easy to digest because it's it's exactly the same on both sides and so it's it's easier for the brain to process. I don't know if I just made all that up, but um, sounds right. <laughs> and and, uh, and and because because I caught the visual cue, but Connor didn't. When Connor said objectively beautiful, he put it in quotes. Uh, presumably to suggest that he meant that what a study considers objectively beautiful or what society right. considers objectively beautiful is not necessarily what is actually beautiful. Right, yeah. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I just realized um, humans have similar, have that same property of, of cars where humans look very symmetrical from the outside, but internally we're quite asymmetrical, right? Our brains are asymmetrical, like our, you know, organs are asymmetrical for the most part, you know, hearts on one side, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, so sort of like how, you know, a car externally looks pretty, pretty symmetrical, but like internally there's a driver's side, et cetera. Um, yeah, it's sort of interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting observation. I wonder if there's some life, life lesson there that the things that, or some software engineering lesson there that the things that we make symmetrical are often not symmetrical under the hood. It's all just an illusion. <laughs> I uh, I put the APL code in the in the message. Oh, oh! I I thought <laughs> I saw that, but I thought it was just like random <laughs> characters. <laughs> the question is, can I find out where the chat is? I saw you. Oh, I found it. I found the chat. I found the chat. No, that's not code. I thought it was a smiley face, Connor. I thought that was a smiley face, not APL code. So, so walk me through it. Walk me through it. Right, here, I, I can share my screen quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, we, we do need to 
talk about scans because I need to go and get my hair cut. Um, yeah. Your entire screen. I think your hair looks good long. I like it like this. There was there was a length before this current length that I did not approve of. And I, I think it was mostly the length uh, before the current length plus the mustache I did not approve of. But your current hair, I like your current hair. I don't think I don't think it helps with uh, dating. I don't think women like it. So, um, that is you, you, that is of the utmost you, importance. Do you think my giant head of hair might possibly be an impediment there too? <laughs> I think your personality shines through, Bryce. Uh, uh, I don't know if mine does though. Yep. Back to APL. So, um, this basically on the right here. This is your min reduction. So the mm-hmm. slash is a reduce, yeah. and the min glyph makes it a minimum. Mm-hmm. And then um, the right tack is just identity, so it just gives you back what you have. And then yeah. the, the whole expression is a fork. So what happens is it applies the unary operation, a.k.a. identity and minimum, to the list first. And then it takes the results of those two things and uh, provides those as arguments to the binary divide function. The ordering confuses me a little bit because... Yeah, this is this is infix, and then the unary operations are technically like prefix. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I would have expected... Based on the description you just gave, I would have expected the first two to be inverted, but... Yeah, in, a- in APL... Um, Unary operations are prefix and binary operations are infix, which honestly is something I don't really ever say much uh, because you just sort of read it and it works. Uh, but when, when it comes to forks, I guess, yeah, that might need a tiny bit of explanation. AKA S prime combinators. This is pretty elegant. Like it is pretty, you know, nice. Like, like I guess what's not, what's elegant it's not that I find the code elegant because I don't understand, I think, enough about APL to, you know, fully grok this. Um, but the elegant thing is the fact that you, somebody who understood APL, were able to code this up and in four characters, you know, express this problem that, like, you didn't you didn't know that I was going to suggest this problem ahead of time. This is not something that, like, you select, that we selected as you know, something that you you knew was easy to express in EPL. But just like the fact that off off the cuff, you were able to express this in, you know, in four characters, two operations, um, uh, I think speaks a lot to the power of APL. Um, I mean, also speaks a lot to Connor as a programmer, but um, <laughs> it is pretty impressive. The APL fans that are listening are like hooting and hollering. Bryce is a—he's yeah. a convert. He's on his way. Um, well, and it, and it's not—it's not like it's not like this is like a standard problem. Like, okay, minimum element—that's a pretty standard problem. But like, take the result of that and divide it by something. Like, that's not—you know—it's not uncommon, but like, it's not a standard thing. Forks are forks are everywhere. Averaging is a fork, right? You take... So what what uh, what is a fork exactly? A fork is uh, the name that Ken Iverson has given um, what is known as the S prime combinator from combinatory logic. But it is it's basically just like a function manipulation. So you're hmm. whenever you have the pattern where you need to do two unary operations uh, on the same input, and then take the results of those and feed them to a binary operation. That's a fork. And so like average, you sum the list. 
and you take the length of the list, both of those are unary operations, and then you divide those two numbers. That's a fork. Take, uh, figuring out if something is a palindrome. Uh, if you reverse it and then take identity and then just check if those things are equal, that's a fork. Like forks are everywhere. Speaking of palindromes, one of the uh, GitHub Copilot examples that I saw was uh, was it uh, writing like an is palindrome function for you. <laughs> oh yeah, so what are we going to call that episode? This is going to be so. This is going to be cut into like three <laughs> episodes, and we're we're naming an episode that people have listened to two episodes ago. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, Skynet maybe. Skynet Probably is here. Skynet, Skynet yeah, is here. Skynet is here. Yeah, I think that's that's got to be the, the name. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.